Nehemiah chapter 1. Uh, I've been blessed to, to be a part of the men's study for the last couple of months, and this is the book we've been going over. Uh, Lord has blessed the, the nights we've been getting together. Um, you know, we, we, we cover little sections of each chapter and sometimes a whole chapter, and we, someone gives like a little overview, and then we break up into groups and we talk about different questions that we're going over in, in this book. You know, we have even homework, too. You know, and we're actually doing it. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, so many things that we as men need to learn and, and reflect uh, to our families, you know, as husbands and fathers. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's great to get together as guys. I encourage you guys, all the guys here, to, to come Wednesday nights. You know, uh, there's so many cool guys there. You know, I, I didn't realize that. And I don't usually get to come, but I have been coming. But so many guys share from their heart. So many guys share what the Lord has done in their life. Uh, but this is a, a great book to, to go over as men. So I thought I'd share a couple of things that, that we are, are you know, going to go over today um, that we can keep us accountable, all right? Uh, whenever you think about the book of Nehemiah, what comes to mind? Anybody? The wall, right? Hard work. I think we even have like a picture of like a big hammer coming down on some stone, you know, kind of that picture, right? Um, more, more geared towards men, I guess, but, you know, don't, don't think that, you know, the word of God is for all of us, you know, might speak to people in certain ways, um, but God wants to speak to all of us in every message. Amen? Um, so let's get to today's study. In today, into today's study. Um, let's read verses 1 through 3 in Nehemiah chapter 1. You guys all there? All right, Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. This is the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. It came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of the brethren... One of my brethren came with men from Judah and asked them concerning, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. There's a little background to where we're at as we get into this section. Um, a few things we need to know. Uh, you know, about a thousand years after uh, that time of Moses, and some 400 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, the nation of Israel was in a desperate state. Right here, the city of Jerusalem was conquered and destroyed by the Babylonian Empire. The once glorious temple was destroyed in rubble. The city of God was torn down. You know, I forget how many years it was torn down, but it was like a like a ghost town, completely forgotten. The Jews were taken to, to Babylon, and many began to, to make homes for themselves there. Um, in a sense, they settled down among the enemy. Kind of not, not a choice, but they did. Some still follow the Lord, uh, the God of their fathers, but they did it from Babylon. The desire to be in the land promised to their people, the desire in their hearts was no longer there. Some of the more faithful Jews were raised up in prominent roles in, in governor like Daniel and, and Esther, queen of, uh, of the Persian king. Um, but finally, after some years, they were given an opportunity uh, to return home. But not many did. Compared to how many left and how many returned, a small percentage came back. This was in the days of Ezra when they returned and, and they rebuilt the temple and laid the foundation again in their faith. The book of Nehemiah begins around 15 years after the book of Ezra, almost 100 years after the first time uh, the captives returned to the promised land. Even though they returned to the promised land, the walls of Jerusalem were, were still in rubble. You know, back in Ezra chapter 4, it talks about how the building of the walls was opposed 
Who do you think opposed the building of the wall? The enemy, right? Satan. So we're gonna, I'm going to read you a little bit from Ezra chapter 4. If you guys want to turn there, and it gives like a little a preview of that. Ezra chapter 4, verse 6 through 16. I'm just going to read it. It says, let it be known to the king. This is the, the, the way they opposed. The enemy opposed the building of the wall. So let it be known to the king that the Jews who came up from you have come to us at Jerusalem and are building the rebellious and evil city and are finishing its walls and repairing the foundations. Let it be known to the king that if the city is built and the walls completed, that they will not pay tax, tribute, or custom, and the king's treasury will be diminished. Now, because we received support from the palace, it was not proper for us to see the king's dishonor. Therefore, we have sent and informed the king that search may be made in the book of the records of our fathers, and you will find in the book of the records and know that this city is a rebellious city, harmful, and harmful to kings and provinces, and that they have incited sedition within this city in former times, for which cause the city was destroyed. We inform the king that if the city is rebuilt and its walls are completed, the result will be that you will have no dominion beyond the river." So real sneaky, right? They, they wrote to the king and then said all these, these bad things about this rebellious city. Um, but again, how the enemy opposed that. This is where we're at in the book of Nehemiah, still in captivity, walls broken. Nehemiah gets the news of the condition of Jerusalem. One of his brothers, like we read in verse, verse 3, one of his brothers uh, came from the men of Judah, one of the men of Judah, and he, he asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and who had survived the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. Uh, Nehemiah was living in the city of Sushan, the capital city of the Persians, uh, and he lived in a citadel, kind of a palace, a fancy place. You guys like fancy places? Fancy place. I like how, how Nehemiah asked, though. He asked. Uh, no, no one came and said, hey, Nehemiah, did you hear about this? Or he didn't hear it through the grace front like we some, some people do. He asked about the condition and the people. It was a place that he was concerned about. A, a people he was concerned about. It was something that the Lord had placed in his heart. Soon, soon we will see how much he cares, you know, by by his reaction about this news and and the city of the Lord. But you see how the Lord started the process. Nehemiah's heart was moved by God. Has your heart been moved by God? I mean, more often than not, what what breaks your heart is what the Lord has called you to do in this life. Whether it be missionary work, like these missionaries went out, uh, part-time missionaries, but they, they heard and their heart breaks for Cambodia. Um, whether it be you know, children, you know, serving in children's ministry, uh, reaching out to the lost, if your heart breaks when you see lost people without Jesus Christ, that's your calling. If your, heart's, if your heart breaks for, for marriages, where do you think you'll be get involved at? Marriage ministry, right? If your heart is breaking and you're not moving, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Many things can prevent you from listening to the voice and calling of the Lord. Who's the number one on the list that will prevent you from your calling? Again, the enemy, right? The devil, the liar and deceiver from the beginning. Don't fall for the trap. Don't listen to his lies. If God calls you to do something, there's that Nike symbol, right? Just, just do it. Get out there and do it. Let's read verse 4. 
So, so it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. As we talked about, uh, Nehemiah's heart was breaking. He sat down and wept when he heard the news and, and mourned for many days with fasting and prayer before the God of heaven. Heavy, right? An example uh, of someone's reaction to something close to his heart. Uh, uh, the sensitivity of his mourning. Uh, it's so easy sometimes as Christians to say, you know, um, I've said it. I'm, I'm glad it's not me. I'm glad I'm not there. You know, to kind of ignore the issue, uh, to to turn to turn away, to to close your eyes, to fold your arms. The easy stuff to do, right? Very simple to do that. Uh, you guys know the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? A lot of things that we can learn from there. Um, if you don't know it, you know it's where a certain uh, Jesus gave a parable to this lawyer, and it's, he told him a certain man uh, fell among thieves, and the, you know some guys came to came by him. You guys remember the first person that came by? It was a what? A priest. A priest. And he saw him lying there, and what does he do? He passes by the other side. Next person comes, a Levite, came and looked, and what did he do? Same thing. Passed by the other side. A certain Samaritan came, and he saw, and what did he do for that man? It's a strong word that, that that's in there. It says he had compassion for him. He had compassion. And if you know the story, that the Samaritan, you know, uh, fixed his wounds, bandaged him up, set him on his horse, took him to a to an inn, and told the innkeeper, you know, take care of this guy, and I'll come back, you know, I'll take care of the the money. What a parable! One of my favorite parables told by Jesus Christ. Uh, a parable that we can learn so much. And Jesus tells the lawyer, you know, um, who of the three, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, who was who showed him, who was a neighbor to him who was half dead. And he says, the, the Samaritan, and Jesus tells him, go and do likewise. Many people pass by situations. Many times I pass it by situation or moments or, or places that God wants to use me. And instead of stopping and, and, and doing what the Lord asked me to do, I, I pass by the other side. And I know I did a, a lot um, early on. Maybe sometimes I still do where I pass by the other side. Many opportunities to be used by the Lord uh, here at Calvary Chapel Almani, in my home, uh, in my marriage, in my friendships, at work, everywhere, right? You guys agree? There's many places to be used by the Lord. Nehemiah here, here's, a, here's what's going on in Jerusalem. His first reaction is emotional. I was getting all emotional back there with the Cambodia team and all emotional during worship. I'm like, what's going on, Lord? But, Nehemiah gets emotional here. He weeps and mourns and, and then begins to, to conversate, not with friends, not with the human beings, with the Lord. He starts talking to the Lord. He draws close to him. We always need to get our, our marching orders every day from the Lord, every step of our lives. You know, when, when you fast, as, as we should, the Lord will, will reveal things that, Maybe not be so clear when you weren't. The fuzzy things will be clear. Um, because we are human, I'm a sinner saved by grace, but sometimes I make choices on, on feelings. On feelings, and that's not good. You know, if our hearts uh, start to turn for something, and, you know, we have that urge, we need to pray. That's our first thing we need to do. Pray, pray, pray. You see that? Pray. 
don't jump into things. The Lord need to, needs to prepare us for that journey that he has before us. Uh, God was going to use Nehemiah to do something about this situation here. Uh, but first, God did something in Nehemiah. Uh, a great work of God begins with God doing a great work in somebody, and that somebody is us. You know, God's work's not going to start till God does a work in you first. God was already laying the foundation for Nehemiah's opportunity to be used. You know, through prayer and fasting, Nehemiah was going to, to get the plan. You guys like plans? Or you guys just like just going and doing stuff? I like plans. I, I work at work where we have little pieces of paper and say, you do this, you do this, and you do this. You know, you don't do anything else, you know, besides that. I like that. I kind of gotten used to that. But from the Lord, and sometimes, you know, when we, when we get involved, you know, it's something not always clear. But with God, he'll make things clear, clear, clear as day. Um, but he's going to get the plan. And that's what stands out to most people who have studied the book of Nehemiah. You know, he heard the distress of his people, and he answered the call. He picked up the phone. Uh, have you heard from the Lord? Everyone today on this earth, everyone today in this room um, is here for the cause of God. God wants to use you in a certain way. You didn't give yourself life. Anyone give themselves life here? Anyone know, right? God gave you life, and he wants to use that life. How, what are you doing with the life that he has given to you? What am I doing with the life that the Lord has given me? You, know, you guys all know in First Samuel, where the Lord's calling Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And, and he hears, right? He, he says, Lord, speak for your servant hears. It's, I think it's kind of like a daily process where we need to hear from the Lord. Um, are we praying the way we should? The Lord needs to help us out. You know, needs to prepare us uh, for the journey. Like I said before, because sometimes it's it's a long journey. Uh, a st- that step of faith you are you are taking. Um, but who is also getting ready? We are saying, you know. You know, Nehemiah in, in the future here, uh, he's going to say, let us arise and build. But Satan's saying, let me arise and oppose, right? He's going to arise and oppose. That's, all, that's where the getting ready takes place in our hearts because you know there's going to be opposition by the enemy. Uh, there, there will be challenges in our lives. We need to be, again, I've said that like 10 times, be ready. Uh, we have to count the cost. We have to be committed to the cause. We aren't, we aren't doing this for, for our, this for ourselves. We are doing it for the cause of Christ. Amen? Everything you do for the Lord is for the cause of Christ, for Jesus Christ. We are representing him to the world. So it isn't just our reputation uh, if we fail or slip up in any way. It's the Lord's as well. I'm going to read you this uh, reference. It's in Luke 14, 25. It says, Now the great multitudes went with him, and, and, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters... Yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish first? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, and and all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against the king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, 
or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all, he cannot be my, my disciple. You know, strong calling. We need to get. We need to always be be willing and able to to hear God's call, but also be ready to the, for the I guess the process of, of being in the will of God and and answering what He's called us to do. Look at the different people in the Bible who answered the call. You know, it wasn't a cakewalk, right? You think of Moses. You can think of Joseph, Daniel, Esther, and even Paul in the New Testament. All men and women of God who were they were challenged. Correct? They were challenged in the, in their ministry. Are we ready for those challenges? When you accept the calling, there will be sacrifice. You guys like sacrifice? It's hard, right? To sacrifice what you want to do to do something that God wants you to do. Um, for all these, these these guys here, like I mentioned, and, and Esther as well, um, and many of, of you have answered the call of God. Uh, it was a sacrifice to the things of this world. So many things we can be doing, but are they of, of heavenly value? Do they prosper the message of, of God? Nehemiah, again, hears the call of God and, and lets the Lord prepare uh, his heart. Let's read verses 5 through 7. You guys with me? Verses 5 through 7. It says, And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you, and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances, which you have commanded your servant Moses. This this prayer is the first of, of 12 uh, Prayers in Nehemiah's, um, the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah opens and closes with prayer. It is obvious that, that Nehemiah was a man of faith who depended fully on the Lord to help him accomplish the work that he called him to do. Um, I read a, a novelist write this little quote. It says, in whatever, in whatever man does without God, he must fail miserably or succeed miserably. So if you're not doing with God, whether you succeed or fail, it's still going to be an end result of being miserable. I like that. Uh, the prayer begins with the, the praises of the Lord. You know, the God of heaven, Nehemiah says, Great and awesome are you who keep your covenants and have mercy with those who love you. These are all good reminders when we pray. Uh, when, you, when you start off in praising the Lord, when you start off uh, those prayers like that, it reminds you of who God is. And it also reminds us of who we are compared to God. Who are we compared to God? little speck, right? We're not really nothing compared to God. While you are praying, it will bring you to a place of humility, that you are in complete dependence on God, that he is on the throne in heaven. And that's that God is in me and that God is in you. It's him in heaven. The King James Version says that great and terrible God. It's kind of a weird word, right? Terrible God. But terrible means to be feared, to be in awe of him, and to be, to be revered. And Nehemiah mentions that, that God keeps his covenants or promises. This is something that, that God does. Um, 
He never breaks his promise. Who's ever broken a promise here? Don't leave me. I've broken promises. The Lord keeps his promises to his children. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Therefore know that the Lord your God, who is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Psalm 47, 2 says, For the Lord most high is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24 says, He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. God has never broken promises. He has a perfect record. 100% of the time, he's kept his promises. Never has he said, you know what, son? You know, I know I said this, but it's not going to happen. Not so much. In my relationship with God, who's a promise breaker? Me, right? In your relationship with, with the Lord, who's a promise breaker? You guys are, right? God always keeps his promises. Uh, we're all... Sinners who in need of a Savior, uh, but God again kept that promise, right? He sent Jesus Christ to die for us, and, and today if you love him as Lord, you have eternal life. You are washed and cleansed, and now are white as snow. Amen? Amen for that. Uh, but God keeps his promises, and um, in verse 6, Nehemiah speaks uh, and asks the Lord to listen to him attentively, which means just to listen carefully. He is praying before him day just a day, day and night, right? Day and night for the children of Israel. Nehemiah was going to be used mightily, but in a role of leadership. Prayer is essential to leadership. If, if your vision is so big that only God can accomplish it, then you obviously need to pray. If prayer isn't absolutely necessary to accomplish your vision, your goal isn't big enough. When you figure out the timeline here, Nehemiah prayed for about four months before he did anything. Later, later the, when, the book, uh, when the work of rebuilding the walls actually begins, it only takes 52 days to finish the job. But that 52-day project had a four-month foundation of what? Prayer. Of prayer. Nehemiah took his plan, or took his, um, his pain, sorry, took his pain, because uh, he like said he was emotional, right? He, he was broken from the, the news uh, and stress to God in prayer and really was able to just leave it there. Leave it there. Prayer will relieve, uh, I guess, sometimes your stress or your emotions. You know, when things come up, you may be trying to relieve um, uh, that those feelings through different things like maybe entertainment or, or even uh, um, just attention. Entertainment doesn't give uh, any solution to those things. Prayer will give you strength. When you, when you wait on the Lord in prayer, he will renew your strength. Uh, Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. In the beginning of Nehemiah's prayer was the praise, which should be uh, what we should be practicing. Now we move into the section, next section of prayer. What is Nehemiah doing in, in like the last part of 6 and 7? Can anyone tell me? He's doing what? It starts with the C. We're in confession. I was going to say rhymes with possession. Con confession. Um, but he's confessing right there. Um. The God who promised blessings and chastening also promised forgiveness uh, to his people 
who would repent and turn back to him. We're going to be doing some, a little turning here. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 30, verses 1 through 3. You can do that real quick. This is kind of a reflection on the promises God gives his people. And Nehemiah is kind of reminding the Lord of those promises. Nehemiah 30, or Deuteronomy 30, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now it shall come to pass, when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations, where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God, and obey his voice, according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God was, has scattered you. First Kings 8, if you guys can turn there real quick, if you guys can. First Kings 8, this is another one of those promises. This is the, the section of uh, Solomon's prayer when he was a... Uh, um, Dedicating the, the temple. And this is a verse 48 through 53. 1 Kings 8, 48 through 53. And it says, And when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies who led them away captive, and pray to you toward their land which you have gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen, and the temple which I have built for your name, then here in heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and, and their supplication, and maintain their cause, and forgive your people who have sinned against you, and all their transgressions which they have transgressed against you, and grant them compassion before those who took them captive, that they may have compassion on them. For they are your people and your inheritance whom you brought out of Egypt, out of the iron furnace, that your eyes may be open to the supplication of your servant and the supplication of your people Israel, to listen to them wherever they call on you. For you separated them and among all the peoples of the earth to be your inheritance. As you spoke by your servant Moses when you brought your fathers, our fathers, out of Egypt. So it was a promise that Nehemiah was claiming as he prayed for himself in this situation and for the nation. God's, God's eyes are upon his people and his ears are open to their prayers. Do you guys know that God hears your prayers? God is attentive to your voice. Does that blow your mind? That, that promise was, was for them back then, and it is for us today as well. You know, if you have strayed from the Lord or, or don't know the Lord because of, you know, your wanderings, uh, that promise still applies. If you would turn from your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God will have that compassion on you. Give you mercy. Love as a father should. But I've done so much wrong, people say. Does it matter? Does it matter, right? I, I've hurt so many people. Does it matter? God's, God's forgiveness um, doesn't have limitations. Um, limitless, correct? Limitless. Uh, God, doesn't doesn't matter, it, as long as you turn and repent, forgiveness is given to you, period. In that section of 1 Kings, it's, it's, it has all these different statements. If you look up on verse uh, 8, or chapter 8, it says, If anyone sins against his neighbor, if anyone, uh, people of Israel are defeated because of sin, the heavens are shut up because of sin, there is famine because of sin. 
you know, when we sin against you, Lord, you know, all those different statements, uh, forgiveness, compassion is still there for them. Turn, repent, and accept uh, the Lord as Savior, and you will have that promise also of eternal life. So there, there's no limits to God's forgiveness. You can't say, hey, I did this. You know, that's not there for me. The Word of God is, is plain and simple. You know, if you, you ask forgiveness, and you know, it's there. Uh, let's read the, the promise Nehemiah declares to the Lord in, in chapter 1, uh, verses 8 through 11. It kind of goes over that. Uh, verses 8 through 11. It says, Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather you from, from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O oh Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was a king's cupbearer. An awesome prayer by Nehemiah, you know, praise and, you know, confession. And at the end of his prayer, he asked for mercy uh, in the sight of this man, the king. What was Nehemiah's job? Those of you Bible scholars, he's a cupbearer, right? Anyone want to be a cupbearer? Kind of like a weird job, right? Uh, a job that that requires confidence um, in your in your integrity and what you're going to do. But through prayer, the Lord revealed his plan to Nehemiah. Nehemiah knew that he was um, the one to go and fix the problem of the walls being broken down to help the people of God who were in distress. But he asked for favor in the in the front of, uh, in front of this man, the king. Nehemiah volunteered. You guys like volunteering? Some people no. Some people yes. Right. Some people have that willingness to go. He didn't pray. You know, Nehemiah didn't pray. You know, God send someone else. Uh, he took that opportunity. He said, "Send me, Lord." He knew that he would have to approach the king, and 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 request that that leave of absence from his cup-bearing role. You know, sometimes the king's words meant life or death. You know, with the wrong request, what would happen to Nehemiah? To Nehemiah's plan, if he you know approached the king uh, Artaxerxes with, you know, on the wrong day, or when the king was was displeased for something, or or something, you know, was was bugging him that day. No matter how you look at it, Nehemiah was facing a, a test of faith in his approach to the king. But he knew that God was a great God and would see him, see him through all these human uh, roadblocks. But the king's cupbearer, being the king's cupbearer, he would also have to, you know, sacrifice the the comfort and security of the palace. Uh, for hard work and dangers uh, in his life uh, in a ruined city. Luxury would be replaced by ruins and prestige and by ridicule and slander. Instead of sharing the king's wealth and security in the palace, Nehemiah was personally going to pay for the upkeep of many people who would eat at his table while building the wall. 
you know, he would leave behind the ease of the palace and take up the work of encouraging God's people and finishing almost an impossible task of building the wall. I think of all the people, you know, in Cambodia that are going to Cambodia and Mexico who I have met who have left um, the things of this world to pursue God's call. I, I don't want all of this comfort. I want to do what God wants me to do and go to Cambodia, go to Mexico um, to pursue God's call to reach the lost and the brokenhearted. Abraham cared and rescued Lot from Sodom. You guys remember that? Moses carried and delivered the Israelites from Egypt. David carried and brought the nation and the kingdom back to the Lord. Esther cared and risked her life to save the nation from genocide. Uh, Paul cared and took the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. And our ultimate example of leaving all for the call of God is Jesus Christ. Um, cared and died on the cross for a lost world. And God is still looking for people who care, who have that heart. People like Nehemiah who cared enough to ask for the facts. Weep over the needs. Pray for God's people. Pray for God's help. And then volunteer to get the job done. Nehemiah depended all on God for wisdom. Uh, he let the Lord, Lord plan it out. He let the Lord smooth out the path he was going to take. And, I mean, I mean, come on, you know, before going before the king, asking to go build in enemy territory. If we depend on the wisdom of the world, we will get what the world can do. But when we depend on the wisdom of God, we will get what he can do. What God can do, all that, and all that we say and and do, we must be. It must be motivated by love, you know, hundred percent controlled by the truth, and done for the glory of God. Amen. All those things need to apply. Uh, let's read the the results of Nehemiah's heart, you know, for the people and willingness to to be used and uh, answering the call of God. We're going to read. I was going to go over this, but we're just going to read this um, chapter two. Verses 1 through 6. All right, chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. And the king said, May the king live forever. And I, I and said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when this city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, How long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Heavy, right? I mean, the Lord worked everything out for, for Nehemiah. And you see so many things that you can learn from, from this, this, I mean, just this chapter and that first chapter alone, how... You know, Nehemiah 
I think just hard work even before he heard the God's call, you know, how he was a cupbearer and being able to have that 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 presence before the king to to be honorable, to be trustworthy, that that he was gonna do what he said. But you know, it's 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 challenging uh to, to go through this. I know, you know, me and the guys we talked about a lot of stuff and more or less, you know, God is going to do the work, right? We we don't if we depend on ourselves, we'll, we'll, we're going to fall and, and and we're going to fall hard. But when we depend on the Lord for what He wants us to do in this life, I think then there there is that peace too, that peace that surpasses understanding, that peace to be able to know that that God's in control. You know, not that we're not going to make mistakes, not that we're not going to, you know, fail at times. You know, that that forgiveness is there, that. The love of God is never going to leave you. But that, that calling that we have in this life, you know, um, if, if I don't answer the call, God's going to use someone else. If, if, if you don't answer the call, God will use someone else. We're not limited. God's not limited by us. God will always accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And, but when we pray like Nehemiah, how he just heard the news. First he asked, right? Then he heard the news. And then he prayed and prayed and prayed, and God gave him the plan, laid it all out, prepared his heart first, and prepared the hearts of everyone else that was going to be involved. Even when he went there, if you read on later, if you guys want, the whole they went as one, the team. There, there was work, and they had a mind to work. They didn't want to take breaks you know, or anything like that. They didn't want to discuss things. They didn't let the enemy sneak in and, and distract what God wanted to do through them. So lots of things we can learn here, guys. I hope you're blessed by this study. A little short study. I thought I'd bless the fathers with a short study today. But I pray you guys are, are, are have a blessed day, guys. Um, relax. It's going to be hot. There's a basketball game on today, so enjoy that. But I pray you're blessed, guys. Let's pray.